Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and I'll be your host this evening as we talk about electronic books and different devices that you could use to read your favorite books. On the call this evening, we have two of the very, very well-known experts in this field from the Braille Institute. We have Mr. Steve Bauer. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bill. It's great to be here. Yes. And also from Anaheim, we have Mr. Keith Christian, who's a teacher for the visually impaired. Thank you, Keith. My pleasure. Yes, you know, it's always a great, great time for me to have both of you guys on the show because both of you guys are such great speakers. You guys know so much, and you you really make my job so much easier. You know, I want to begin with you, Steve. Um, First of all, can you tell us about the program of audio types of books? I know that the Library of Congress, and here it's distributed through the Braille Institute, but the... Library of Congress, can you tell us what types of books, electronic books, are available to those people who are legally blind? Well, I've often heard the National Library Service, as it's called, uh, referred to as as a good small-town library. And um, I I don't have numbers in front of me. I I know that they produce about 2,000 new titles per year, and uh, it's pretty much everything that you'd find in a library from adventure and mystery and romance and biography. And, and uh, they, they try and keep up with the latest books, and they're actually doing a lot better job of that than they have in the past. Uh, it now seems to take maybe a month or two for a best-selling book to get added to the collection as opposed to six months or a year like it used to before. And they also offer, uh, I think, about 50 or 60 magazines that are available uh, in audio format. Uh, everything from, you know, uh, gosh, Good Housekeeping and, and uh, Rolling Stone and, and uh, the New York Times, uh, Large large Print Weekly, and uh, just a, a whole bunch of some kids' magazines, uh, Ranger Ricks, I know, is on there. And uh, uh, so it's, it's, it's a very good selection of material, and all of their material is produced uh, with professional narrators, so it's very, very well done. Um, and it's produced in uh, the DAISY format, which uh, we may talk about a bit later. And the libraries, the Braille Institute is a regional library, and there are a couple dozen other regional libraries around the country. Uh, Readers are provided free of charge with the books. They can pick them up at the regional libraries if they're close enough, or they can be sent in the mail to them. And they also provide a a, uh, book reader, maybe the size of a paperback book, which plays these books that are recorded on cartridges, and uh, again, in a DAISY format, which allows patrons to navigate uh, chapter by chapter, in the case of magazines, uh, going through different articles, and these are all very high-quality human speech. They're, they're read by, by paid actors, uh, in most cases, or radio people at uh, three or four different uh, production facilities that they have around the country. Now, Steve, I remember years ago, it was where the... National Library Service, they would send you cassette tapes. So if there was a particular book that you were going to be listening to, you might get a, a bundle of cassette tapes. But you mentioned that now there is a cartridge, a, a digital type of cartridge. And is that something that all of the books are being recorded on this digital cartridge? 
Um, everything that's been produced in the last, uh, I want to say, 13 or 14 years is available digitally and, and can be sent to you on the cartridges. And uh, in all cases now, a book is on one cartridge. There's no more, you know, getting to the sixth cassette and realizing that it's broken and you can't continue the book. <laughs> if the cartridge is there, uh, it, it's there. And actually, I just um, spoke with, uh, and I'm, I'm blanking on her name right now, the new director of um, NLS. Or actually, she's been on the job now for two or three years, but uh, uh, Frank Kurt Frank Silky, a lot of us know, had the job for, gosh, 20 or 30 years, and so she's new. <laughs> anyway, she said that they're now going to start putting a series of books on a cartridge. So, you know, if you were to order the Harry Potter books, you might get... Uh, if not all of them, at least uh, four or five of them on, on one cartridge. So, yes, it's, it's wonderful. In addition to the better sound quality and the fact that the cartridges don't break like cassettes did and that sort of thing, uh, one of the great conveniences is that uh, we just have one cartridge now instead of uh, six or ten or twelve or fifteen cassettes. Yeah, that is fantastic. So I remember sometimes it would be difficult to try to find the next cassette that you were looking for if it was a very long book. Now, with these cartridges, uh, can you describe what, what do these cartridges look like? Are they very large, and how do you play them? How do you listen to them? Can I stick it into my computer USB drive, or is it something different than that? No, it, it needs to be played on uh, – it cannot be played on a computer. It can be played on the, uh, the uh, player which the library provides, and there are also a number of aftermarket players which are sold, which are short pocket size. And they can be these cartridges can be connected to those. And once a, the owner of one of those players has gotten an authorization key, which is a little tiny file that uh, NLS uh, sends to the user, and the user puts on their player because the only authorized people are allowed to listen to these books. They don't want them showing up uh, for folks that want to just listen to books in their cars or whatever. Um, the cartridges are. Gosh, I'm terrible with measurements, but I'm going to say maybe um, three inches long by an inch and a half wide by, oh, less than a half an inch thick. They uh, actually could be made smaller than that, but one of the things they they wanted to design is that uh, they know us blind people have a habit of losing tiny little objects. The, the memory chip inside the cartridge is actually about the size of a postage stamp, but the cartridges are quite a bit bigger, so they're easy to to um, put in the in the player. And there is a round hole in the end of the cartridge, uh, and so it's very easy to know which way to plug it into the to the player. And that also facilitates folks with physical disabilities. For example, some folks that don't have the use of their hands uh, can use mouth sticks, and the hole provides them a way to insert and remo uh, remove the cartridge from the player. And all you do is stick it in, and it starts playing, and um, the digital player remembers where you left off. So if you read four chapters of a book or even, you know, uh, 38 pages in the middle of a chapter and pulled it out and went to a different book, and then you come back to it two weeks later and plug the cartridge back in, you're right there where you left off. So, again, there's no necessity to figure out which cassette was I on and, gee, did I rewind it accidentally, that sort of thing. Yes, I know. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't expect there to be that much of a difference when I started to listen to the books on the digital cartridge with a digital player, but uh, the quality of the sound and the functionality of that digital player that they give you for free, it, it's, it's awesome. It's so much easier. 
Yeah, it it really fills up a uh, a room with with great sound. It's, uh, they did a great job of designing the player for sure. Now, one of the things is that for a person to be eligible to obtain the books from uh, the National Library Service is that they either for vision they do have to be legally blind. But are there other ways that one might be able to receive these types of audiobooks on the digital cartridges? Yeah, anyone who for any reason cannot read standard print books uh, can be eligible. So, for example, someone who doesn't have the use of their hands uh, can uh, uh, obtain the books and uh, various other physical disabilities. So, yeah, there's quite a a large – the official name for NLS is the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, but uh, we just call it NLS for for short. But, uh, yeah, they they serve, uh, I I think blind people make up a majority of the uh, patrons, but there are quite a number of other individuals that qualify. And if if one is interested in applying for that, it it would be basically that they could contact organizations such as the Braille Institute or is there a website for the National Library Service that they can get an application? Uh, there is. It's uh, NLS. It's, it's not www. It's nls.loc.gov. Or uh, you can call one triple eight nls read and you'll be sent an application and given information as to your closest library. Oh, okay, that's great. So that's one triple eight N L S R E A D, and they could get that uh, application completed. And uh, do you happen to know what if there is a person who is not able to read the text, but they're not legally blind? Let's say that their vision is twenty over one hundred. Do they make any types of qualifications for someone who is? partially sighted but not legally blind that you're familiar with? You know, that's a very good question, Dr. Bill, and I don't know the answer to it. I know that the the legal language is uh, those who cannot read print books, so I'm assuming that if you had a vision impairment that wasn't considered legal blindness that prevented you from reading, that you'd qualify, <clears throat> but uh, I don't want to say for sure because I, I I've never thought about that. That's something I never thought about. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to look at that. Keith, are you aware of it being available for those who might be partially sighted but not legally blind, meaning that um, legal blindness is where in your better eye your vision is 2200 or worse. Are you familiar with any types of exemptions uh, for a person who might not be legally blind but cannot read? Well, I think like what Siva has just said, I think that there's you know other other ways of being being eligible for um, being able to receive those services, and I I would uh, certainly get a note from my doctor stating that I have a reading impairment if it's preventing you from reading standardized print. Now, how about you know for yourself as a teacher in the public schools, are there these particular types of digital books available in the school library or in a public library? Or does one only obtain it through uh, the NLS library? Well, um, I pretty much have my own little library that I do check out movies, movies, books, and all kinds of MP3 type of content. But also uh, digital, uh, uh, they're not all audio, there's text-based uh, books as well. 
but um, our school library doesn't really have um, space for that. However, um, what we do is we, we have blank cartridges, and the cartridges, you can plug them into the computer and copy files from the computer onto the cartridge so that you like customize your own. So if you download some audio or some some audio content onto them, they can they can uh, listen to that content with the NLS player without having to order them from NLS. And you can download the books from NLS's website as well onto your computer and then copy it to the uh, cartridge so you wouldn't have to order and have it sent to you. You can you can browse their library and download um, I'm pretty sure most, if not all, of their the content that the, you would order. Um, but there are public libraries that do have um, MP3, a lot of audiobooks on CD. Um, and what we do is we, if we get those, we just rip them into MP3s. But you basically put them in a computer and you uh, take them from the CD and you uh, convert them into MP3 files onto a, the computer and then we just transfer them onto the NLS cartridge. So it's a couple steps, but it's very simple to do. Actually, the kids will show you how to do it if you're really interested. <laughs> I know. By the way, what age are the students that you teach? Uh, kindergarten through sixth grade. And so your students from kindergarten to sixth are able to go onto the website and they could download these types of audiobooks from the NLS? They usually use Bookshare, but they, they I, I pretty much handle the NLS content. Um, but uh, but they can do that from Bookshare, yeah. Hey, Steve, how easy is it to download these particular types of books from the NLS? If you have a home computer and the Internet, how easy is it to do that? Is it quite simple to find the books you're looking for, or uh, is it something that's challenging? Um, I would say that it's, it's um, you know, an intermediate challenge. If, if you have reasonable computer skills and know how to use your screen magnification or screen reading software, uh, it's not all that difficult. Um, they make it very easy. You can search the collection by keywords or by author's last name or by title, and then they have, uh, gosh, 50 or 60 categories of books, uh, adventure, romance, mystery, that sort of thing that you can browse through, and then, of course, all the magazines. And so uh, what one has to do is, is find the book that you want, and each book has two links. One is to describe the book, and then one of them is a download link. And one downloads the link, or downloads the book, and then uh, one step that is a bit of a challenge for folks, but it's not difficult, it's just unusual, is you have to unzip uh, the book. The, the books are in what's called DAISY format, and DAISY allows for navigation of various kinds, but it basically attempts to give a audiobook reader the same kind of abilities that a print reader would be able to browse through a book. So, for example, uh, a nonfiction book might just be divided up by parts and chapters, um, whereas a recipe book you might have, uh, you know, four or five levels, you might have uh, different types of recipes and then, you know, desserts, main courses, salads, and then some books even go down to the uh, recipe level and even the ingredient level. But because of the DAISY format, uh, the books are made up of a bunch of different files, several dozen different files. And so the NLS puts them up in what's called a zip file. And so once you download the zip file, then you need to use, uh, there's a Windows utility 
And actually, the Mac computer does it automatically for you, but Windows is a very simple utility called Extract All, and you simply uh, uh, highlight the book that you've downloaded, click on the Extract All utility, which is in the file menu of uh, Windows, and uh, you end up with a file folder, and then you put that folder onto your digital book player to listen to. So um, there are also lots of other ways. There are programs such as CDesk and The Guide that allow you to download a book, and then the program does all the transferring and unzipping for you. Uh, also, the HumanWare Companion, which is a free program that's provided with the Victor Reader Stream, allows you to do that, and uh, a lot of us are waiting with bated breath. Uh, the new version of the Victor Reader Stream software, which was supposed to come out a couple weeks ago, and I just checked a couple hours ago to see if it's not there yet, but we're hoping very, very soon, it will allow you to download the books directly onto the, to your Victor Reader Stream, browse the collection, choose the book you want, and uh, download it with your little shirt pocket player, uh, no computer required. Wow. Well, Steve, tell us about that. I know that you're very familiar with some of these portable types of book players. You know, a person may choose to have something that is smaller that they could keep in a, a shirt pocket or in a small purse rather than carrying around the digital book player that's provided for free by the NLS. Uh, but what are some of the advantages of carrying around some of these smaller types of book readers, like you mentioned the HumanWare Victor Reader Stream and others. Uh, can you tell us what are the advantages and then perhaps maybe go over some of those? Yeah, well, the big advantage is size. Um, as you mentioned, they fit in the shirt pocket. And uh, they all, and there's half a dozen different uh, players by different manufacturers. We can talk about some of the differences. But the they all have a small speaker, which is good if you're, you know, perhaps lying in bed and have the, the, the player up next to your ear or something like that. But the majority of folks who use these players use the earphone jack either to listen on earphones or on external speakers. And a couple of them, uh, the Blaze EZ, for example, has Bluetooth. So you can use a Bluetooth speaker. But that's, that's a big advantage. Uh, another advantage is, and I apologize, uh, my note ticker keeps, um, we'll have my notes on here, it keeps cycling off. I'm not sure I'm got a setting there wrong, that's what that weird noise is in the background. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, the other advantage is that unlike the NLS player, all of these little shirt pocket players have text-to-speech. So not all DAISY books are human speech. Uh, Keith mentioned Bookshare, and there's also, uh, which has, you know, thousands and thousands of books. Uh, there's also NFB Newsline, which has uh, almost 300 newspapers and magazines. Those are all as text files, and they can be read by the text-to-speech that's uh, involved with, uh, mo- with, with all of these uh, digital players. Um, they also um, have the advantage that um, uh, they all run on batteries, but they're very long battery life. The uh, Victory Stream probably has the best. It is advertised as uh, 15 hours. I find that I get closer to 20 on mine on a... Uh, on a, a battery charge. And um, the advantage I wanted to mention also of some of the text-based formats, especially for students of uh, Bookshare and Newsline and things like that, is that because it's not human speech but actually text, you can search the document. So if I wanted to find, say, you know, I live in Culver City, and if I get the L.A. Times and I know there was something happening 
locally and I want to find out about rather than read the whole metro section, I can just search for the word Culver City and it'll pop right up every occurrence of that and uh, find that. So that's a, that's a really nice feature. Um, the shirt pocket players also um, will play music. The, the analyst player will, but the shirt pocket players give you the ability to catalog and create playlists of music and do a lot of things that the uh, library player will not. And uh, several of them have Wi-Fi, so it is possible to download, uh, listen to Internet radio, for example, on the Victor Reader stream, or uh, download podcasts to the unit. Um, and so it gives you a lot of other options besides uh, just the books. Uh, they all use a secure digital card, a little postage stamp uh, size, very common memory card that are used in cameras and other devices. And they all have a small amount of internal memory. Most of them use the SD cards, though, and uh, they all take up to 32 gigabyte cards. Some of them uh, will take 64 gigabytes. And I'm always asked, uh, how many books can you get on a card? Well, I say, of course, it depends on how large the book is. The Bible is not going to be the average size book, but I would say probably eight to ten average size books on a uh, a typical in, in, a, in a gigabyte. So if you've got ten gigabytes, you're going to have uh, you know lots and lots of books. Uh, and finally, the um, uh, digital players have a all have a digital recorder built into them. So it's a one-button thing. So if I have my little shirt pocket player and I run into a friend and he wants me to give me his new cell phone number and I don't have my my braille note taker or something with me, I just push one button and say, "Tell me your phone number," and I've got a recording of that. And I can use that for recording lectures or recording short notes to myself or uh, pretty much anything else that I would want to. Yes, I have one of the old ones, the old Humanware Victor Reader Stream. And, you know, it is exactly what you said it is. It could do so many things, and I record messages to myself. I record lectures. I have music. I have books. And you could carry this all in your pocket, and if you choose to, you can carry additional little SD memory cards, those that you said are like a postage stamp, and, and you have hundreds of books, so you could be on vacation, and you could carry everything there in your shirt pocket without any types of difficulties. It's just absolutely fantastic. You know, Keith, at, uh, at your school, or what kind of experience have you had with some of these other types of pocket-sized book players? Well, um, we we use something called the Bookport Plus from APH a lot, and we have the old uh, Victor Stream as well. But we we tend to get a lot of the Bookport Pluses. They're available on quota funds, which basically means that uh, teachers of the visually impaired can get them with special funding that at no cost to the school district. So we do use a lot of those, and the kids will use them in school. Um, in class to, to write down homework or just to make quick notes if they, they put their note taker away or if they have a, a special system uh, set up for taking notes, you know, they can take quick notes or actually make really high quality, really good recordings. They can transfer that to the computer or, or they can listen to it on headphones and take notes from it or whatever. But um, but again, we, we, we also put music on these SD cards and um, the kids make their own playlists and if they earn some free time uh, with an amplifier, they can put together their own music for a party or something, you know. Um, but they're they're they they're really small. They're very portable. The battery life is fantastic, and 
and I try to encourage my kids to have one in their pocket because there's so much that you can do with it from reading a book to playing music and everything in between. Especially, and I find that it's extremely important to have something to jot down a quick note, and they're fabulous for that. Yes, you know, and I believe it was maybe two years ago at the CSUN conference, and the Bookport Plus from American Printing House, they came out with a version that was a smartphone. Have you ever seen that one? Hmm. Mm, Bookport on the iPhone. No, no, but there is an NLS app for the iPhone. Not that I'm aware of from APH. Yeah, it was something that I just thought, my goodness, you have now a phone as well as the uh, book port that you can read and you could record and you could listen. So I guess one of the main features that these portable pocket-sized types of book players are able to do is that it does also expand your ability to read even books that are in text files. Now, Keith, you yes. had mentioned one of the things that your students often will will try and uh, retrieve are books from Bookshare. Can you tell everybody uh, what is Bookshare? Some people may not be aware of what Bookshare is and how this organization works. Uh, Bookshare is an online book repository, and I believe they have around 200,000 books. Um, from textbooks to recreational reading, everything in between. And what they've done is they've made it uh, possible for you to download books in a variety of different formats. So you can download it in text, you can download it in DAISY, or you can download it in MP3 files so that you can really tailor your book reading to the types of devices that you want to listen to it on. They, uh, you, you do have to have a qualifying uh, print disability, such as the, just like NLS does, and um, it's very simple to do. They've made the the the, the whole download um, procedure is very easy to do, and you can do the same thing. Uh, you can download books directly onto your Victor Reader Stream, you know, wirelessly or the book port. Um, it's truly amazing, and they, they keep coming out with new titles, um, bestsellers, and if it's not available from NLS, I, I go directly to Bookshare because they have the, um, many of the readings that my students need to do um, in, in elementary school, and all kids who are in school, no matter if it's elementary school, middle school, high school, or even college, they qualify to receive the services for free. And if you're out of school and you don't qualify, it's $50 a year. And then they have a one-time $25 processing fee for the first year. But um, I pay, I gladly pay for it every year. It's, it's an amazing um, uh, book repository. Um, and if you don't, if they don't have the material that you want, a book, um, you can make a request and they will actually uh, scan it and convert it for you. And that's what's really amazing. There are so many of the books that volunteers have identified the location of that book, and they have scanned it. So it is actually in a scanned a text version. And if you do have one of these pocket book players, the pocket book players can interpret that scanned text and read it aloud. And that is something exactly. that the digital 
The digital players are not able to do that, the ones that are provided by the National Library Service. Is that correct? Yeah, because if you're scanning, you're turning it into a, a like a word process document. It, you're putting text into a document, and uh, you're relying on a screen reader or a speech synthesizer to read that file and and, uh, and produce the speech output. Yeah, it's it's. But I'll tell you what the uh, the screen readers that are in some of the, like the iOS, your your iPads and your iPhones and and the the Victor reader stream. The voices are amazing. I mean, it, sometimes you, I often forget that I'm listening to synthetic speech. It's amazing that the quality is just amazing. Yeah, it certainly is. And so, Keith, at at your school, because the American Printing House Bookport. That is something that can be purchased using quota funds. Uh, schools probably are using a lot of it because, again, it is something that is available. Are there any other types of book, audio book players that you've had experience with? Well, um, I use um, iPads and my iPhone quite a bit. There's there's a couple excellent applications that uh, that. Um, Voice Dream and uh, Read to Go that I use a lot that uh, you can get a lot of really good voices with, and you have access to the same content from Bookshare. Um, and uh, you can also uh, Voice Dream. You are able to actually download files and save them into Dropbox, or you have different ways of getting files onto your iOS device, that the iPad or the iPhone. Um, they're very interesting uh, products. They're they're finding new new ways of getting content onto different devices. Well, describe that a little bit more. You know, I know that there's many, many people. We see so many people who are low-visioned and even those who are totally blind who do have the iPhone and they're purchasing the iPad. And I know that through the, um, what's the name of the I, iPad, iPod store, um, the way that you purchase your music. iTunes? Yeah, through iTunes, you could purchase music and you could purchase many types of books. And once you then purchase a book through iTunes, tell us what happens then. Is this particular book going to be in print version, in text, or is this something that's in audio? How does that work? It's a really good question. I don't really make many purchases from iTunes. However, I do know that you you can get them in 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 all of those formats. You you can buy videos, music. You can buy uh, uh, um, uh, what's that book reader called? Uh, iBooks. You know, there's lots of different formats that you can buy from. And what what I normally do, and I can tell you what I do is, is I'll 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 download books, and I have a library. That I basically manage on my computer, and what I'll do is I'll I'll copy it into Dropbox, and Dropbox is just an online um, file repository that you set for your own yourself, and and you log on to a different device. So if I have an iPad and an iPhone, if I um, if I open up VoiceStream and so I want to take this book with me uh, and listen to it in the car, but then. I need the same book tomorrow, but I need it on my iPad instead or whatever. You can go to Dropbox and open it up, and uh, you can you have a lot more choices of what types of content you can put onto your your iPad and your your all your iOS devices through.
through using my voice stream. When you purchase a book, let's say that a person now is saying, well, you know what? I have an iPhone and I have an iPad, and I I don't want to get my book through the National Library Service. And they then go on iTunes and they purchase a book. And that book is going to either A, be downloaded directly into their computer, or it could be downloaded directly into their iPhone. And you had you had mentioned a couple of uh, programs or applications that I, I wasn't familiar with. Can you describe those applications and when someone needs that? I believe you said it was iReader and iVoice and something else. Yeah. Read2Go is one of them. And what it is is it's an application that allows you to download books from Bookshare and you can use it to read in large print of any size. You can change the magnification on the iPad by just spreading your fingers. By or you can you can easily adjust the the, the contrast, the, the the white on black, black on white, the color. You can listen to speech while it's. I'm sorry. You can listen to the speech while you're reading in large print. You can switch back and forth. So it's quite versatile in being able to help students that are low vision versus. Um, who may not be able to read it in print, so you can actually switch back and forth between uh, print and text. But okay. also, you can hook up. You can also pair a Braille display with your iOS device, and you can actually read it in Braille as well. So you have the ability to read a book in Braille, or listen to it, or uh, read it in, in large print. Okay, and this particular program, Read to Go, this is designed to work specifically if you're going to be purchasing a book from Bookshare? Yeah, yeah, it works direct yes, it, it works exclusively with um with Bookshare books, that's correct. Okay, so if one does want to read a, a Bookshare book, they can purchase the book by going to www.bookshare.org and then would they be able to find this program read to go at that website or do they purchase that somewhere else, Keith? Okay. Well, to clarify, um, you wouldn't actually buy the books. Once you register with Bookshare, all the books are free. So if you pay the $50 for the year, you can download, I think it's up to 100 books a day or, or a month or something like that. It's, it's amazing. Um, so that that is the um, just a clarification there. And the other part of your question was, um, how do you – I'm sorry, would you repeat your question? Yeah. If a person is uh, partially sighted and they want the magnification to be able to read the books that they downloaded from Bookshare, yeah, where did where do they acquire or purchase that software program Read to Go? Right, and that would be actually available on your iOS device when you'd go to the App Store and then you would search for Read and then the number two and then Go R E A D the number two and then G O and it's a twenty dollar app. Okay. And, and it's worth every penny. And, and then there's another app called uh, Voice Dream that does the same thing, but it costs $10. But it gives you more flexibility. You can download books from Project Gutenberg, Dropbox, as well as uh, other places as well. Wow, that's great to know. Okay, and what if a person were to receive a document. Let's say, for example, that I typed a, a chapter in a book and I use Microsoft Word. 
And if I were then to send that to you and you then wanted to read that, uh, would you be able to use these programs and read it on your iPad or iPhone? It's a very good question, and that's why I like VoiceStream so much. I, I, Read to Go is an amazing program. It's great, but you're really limited. You're you you are only you're limited to only working with um, Bookshare material. But VoiceStream will allow you to um, uh, if if you have a document, you could have it emailed to you. You get it on your iPad through email. You can. Um, you can get it from Dropbox. Once the file, once you save your word process document in Dropbox, you can go to the app on your iPhone or your iPad and open the file. And you can, you, when you go to open it, you can say open in, and you can tell it which application you'd like to open it in, such as Notes or a word processor or Voice Dream, but not Read to Go because it does not allow you to open documents in Read to Go. Oh, that's good to know. So VoiceStream, and VoiceStream is also something that you could then purchase directly on your iPhone or iPad. Correct, and it's I believe it's ten dollars, and and they have a wide variety of, of of voices as well as languages available for it as well. And does VoiceStream also support if we were to connect our Braille display to our iPad or iPhone? Yes, it does. Great. Hey, now, Steve, what is uh, some of your experience and, and comments about using some of these types of refreshable Braille displays? Does it work, or is there that type of capacity to use a refreshable Braille display on the NLS book player? No. Uh, the NLS book player is strictly human speech recording, so uh, the player itself does not support uh, any text formats which would be needed to uh, operate one of the one of the uh, refreshable Braille displays. Uh, NLS does have uh, a separate. It was a separate program. They've actually now combined it on the same website, uh, which they call Web Braille. And NLS, in addition to providing to uh, producing all the recorded books, also re uh, produces a smaller number of Braille books and magazines, and again, those are mailed out to folks. Um, I used to get them when I was a kid, and they come in huge cartons. Uh, probably your listeners know that Braille is, is large, and so, um, you know, it takes up a lot of space. Uh, we were just talking about that today, actually, with a friend <laughs> of mine. The, the Bible is, I believe, 30, 35 volumes. Um, oh, I had an American Best Pocket Dictionary that I carried around through college with me. Uh, it's six Braille volumes, so... Um, those are the old days now. Uh, everything that NLS produces in Braille is available on the, the BARD website. It's called Web Braille, and the files can be downloaded. And if one had a Braille embosser, one could emboss a, a copy of it. But what most of us do is copy the files to our Braille note takers or Braille displays, and then we can read them any place we go. I, I've got a Braille note taker that's, you know, the size of a paperback book, basically. It's even a little bit smaller than the NLS player. And it is possible to uh, to read the book and to, you know, make make notes and that sort of thing. And so, uh, and of course, and any of the things that Keith talked about with Bookshare or any other documents you'd use on an iPhone, um, the uh, iPhone software, the iOS software, um, 
supports most Braille displays, and so it's possible to connect a Braille display and, and read the books uh, with an iPhone or an iPad that way. Uh, but no, not through uh, not through the the digital player that the library provides us. Okay, it is worth mentioning that Bard does have an iOS app, so all of so those books that that are available uh, um, on the NLS player you can actually download on your iOS device in Braille, uh, in, in text files in, to be used with a Braille display, or audio. Okay. And so, again, uh, for those who, who may not be quite experienced, you want to go ahead and just uh, uh, repeat BARD. Okay, BARD stands for the ability to download your audio books yeah, I'm sorry. The, the the Bard website, and I I sorry about the alphabet soup. It's Braille and recorded downloads, and it is the name that the NLS, the National Library Service, has given to their website, uh, from which we can download uh, recorded and Braille material that they produce. So, yeah, Bard stands for Braille and recorded downloads. And if you are going to be one who then is going to download uh, your books through the Bard website and you're using an iPhone or an iPad, there is an application for the iPhone and the iPad that would allow you to then download those books and it will come directly into your iPhone and iPad. Is that accurate? That, yes. that is correct. Gosh, that's wonderful. Now, do either of you uh, know, are there similar types of applications that are available to be using Android phones. We know that Android phones are becoming more and more popular. Are there ways of downloading books from the BARD website so that it will then go directly into your Android phone? I'm not familiar with any of them. I'm, I'm primarily yeah, an iOS. Not, not, at this time, not at this time, but uh, it is a high priority, and, uh, you know, NLS is part of the government, so <laughs> it took them a while to come up with the iPhone application, but... Uh, they are committed to, are working on, and I don't believe have announced a date, but it is a high priority for them to come out with an Android version of the uh, of the uh, Bard uh, downloading software. You know, as I just think about this, you know, we're we're really so so fortunate in this country. You know, in the sense that there are so many books that are available to those who are visually impaired or those who are not able to read. All the books and magazines that we could ever want to read are at our disposal for free, whether we're going to listen to it or we want to have it in large print text or if we want to use a, a refreshable Braille display. Um, it's there. It's for us. Yeah, it's an amazing time. Now, how about, how about the other, uh, more of on the consumer end? I, I know that there are many people, for example, like my kids, they're in college, and they say, you know, that everybody is reading while they're actually using these other types of book-reading devices. And what do you know about some of these other types of book-reading devices? I'm not sure what other devices there are. Oh, like Kindle? Oh, or yeah, Kindle yes, and, and yeah. You know, like there's a Kindle. Uh, these are devices that are about the size of a pocketbook, and you could download these books directly into the Kindle, and you could change the size of the text. You could change the colors of the background. You could even change the font styles, and a lot of them are reading with these things because they say 
it's a lot more convenient that I don't have to carry around all of these books. I can carry up to a thousand books in my Kindle, and the Kindle, I believe that it's under two hundred dollars, and uh, they they really like it. Do either of you have any experience with any of your students or clients who have talked about their experience with a Kindle? Just that the, I'll, I'll tell you the nice thing about it is is that. Um, a number of these devices that that our, our students are being exposed to and are, are using are are more and more frequently being used by their peers, their brothers and sisters, uncles, aunts, and their parents. So they're able to take these devices and actually learn how to adjust the font size. So then it becomes an accessible device, a reading device, and it's no, it's not necessarily uh, a device that was purchased. Or as a dedicated reader for the visually impaired, it's just becoming a feature of these um, uh, these devices that are that are sold to consumers that that uh, just happen to serve that function, and they're becoming more and more popular, and it's making it more and more access, uh, acceptable by our our low vision students. I, I was going to say I don't have a, a lot of personal experience, but I know that uh, there's a lot of folks at Rail Institute that use Kindles and. For a totally blind person, the challenge apparently is actually downloading the books onto the device because um, not all of the web browsing features of the Kindle will speak through its synthesized speech. There is synthesized speech that uh, most books will be read through. Uh, and uh, for a low-vision person, uh, if they have a certain amount of web savvy, it is possible to download the books also. So... Um, you know there are some accessibility issues, but um, like Keith said, if if your your brother or your uncle or somebody has got a Kindle and uh, you want to borrow it or you know you want to have one too, there is a lot of blind folks using them. Um, unlike the um, the portable players and, and the iPhone we were talking about, which you know pretty much everything is accessible, there are some accessibility issues, but uh, they can be overcome in many cases. Yeah, and these are some of the things that I've heard from a lot of our patients. Uh, the people who are partially sighted and they can read with larger print, usually up to about 40-point print size, they have told me that they are able to read with a Kindle. And they say what also works well with a Kindle better than the iPad is that they state that with the Kindle, they're able to read outside at the beach. When they take an iPad to the beach, there's too much glare and reflection, and they say, you know, it sort of blinds me. But if they're a person with low vision and they want to read in bed or in a darkened room, they say they do prefer the iPad because the iPad has a backlight so you could then read in the dark. But I have not heard of many people who are very pleased with the Kindle's ability to read everything out loud. So for those who really want a book reader that's going to read it out loud so that you could simply hear it, they usually are then going towards the portable players, such as those that uh, Steve and Keith were talking about, specifically uh, the Victor Reader Stream and the Bookport and others of that type. So um, at this time, what I'd like to do is open it up to you, the audience, so that if you have any questions for uh, Steve Bauer or Keith Christian, Go ahead and unmute your phone by pressing star six, and we'll take any questions. And if any of you out there who are listening also have other comments because you have used some of these devices and like to share your knowledge, 
uh, go ahead and feel free to sound out your opinion as well. So go ahead and press star six to unmute your phone and ask questions. Okay, does anybody have any questions out there? Well, I do. This is Annette. Hi, Annette. I, hi, I thought somebody would be before me. Um, I have a colleague that wrote a book, uh, a regular print book, and uh, I got an autographed copy and then also bought the uh, electronic version from Amazon, hoping that I could read it, listen to it. And I haven't found a way to play that where I could listen to it. I have an iPhone. I, I don't have a Kindle. I have a computer. I haven't found something I can hear it on in the computer. Uh, do you have any suggestions? I was looking to see what the file format was. Um, whatever it is, it's not OCR. So it kind of appears like a, like a PDF that's not OCR. And I was looking for a conversion tool, and somebody, some people were trying to help me out with finding a conversion tool. And I, at the time I was pursuing that, I haven't found one to work. Um, there are conversion tools. Unfortunately, they, and, and, and I, I've been told, and I've not tried this personally, they're not for the, the faint hearted, as it were. And also, they actually run against the, uh, the terms and conditions one agrees to when you that none of us read when you uh when you buy a Kindle or buy Kindle books. Uh Kindle does have a program called Kindle for PC which you can download onto your computer and it will allow you to then read Kindle books on your PC. And if you go to the uh Kindle website or the Amazon website and search for that, um it's uh, it's there and a lot of folks are using it. Uh it uh is not as versatile as using your computer with a screen reader. Um, it's difficult to jump, for example, from chapter to chapter, uh, that sort of thing, but it will read the text to you and it will allow you to stop and, and start and read by line and paragraph and that sort of thing. And if you search for Kindle for PC on the uh, Kindle website, uh, it's a very easy program to download and, and that should allow you to read the book. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Steve. Let's see, do we have another question out there? You know, I have a question for either of you who may be able to uh, provide some input on this. We ran a bit short on time. I was hoping that we could get into tablet PCs. And are there any advantages of using a tablet PC to try to read your ebook as compared to some of these other devices that we talked about today? Well, I think the biggest advantage of a tablet PC uh, would be the extra memory and the extra computing powers that wouldn't necessarily be needed for reading a book. So if you needed a computer to, you know, do PowerPoint presentations and, and Excel spreadsheets and, and play games and incidentally also wanted to read books on it, uh, that would be an advantage to having one of the tablets. Um, but as far as just strictly reading books, uh, I, I can't think of any advantage for the tablet over, say, an iPad. The, the lines are definitely being blurred between tablets and PCs, though. You know, it's almost at, we're almost at the point to where the tablets are replacing. Well, not exactly replacing the the, the PC, but uh, the the tablets and the, uh, the the these. I've I've seen some of these tablet computers that are running um, Windows Windows eight eight one and um, 
running full versions of JAWS, and the, and they're smaller than my iPad, and, and you use them like you would a regular computer, but they're extremely small. It, it's actually pretty amazing, but a whole lot of horsepower and, and not necessary for, you know, casual, you know, book reading type stuff like, like Steve was saying, though. You know, as you're talking about that, one of the things that I, I have a question about, do some of these tablet tablet computers, I'm going to call it, for example, such as the Samsung Galaxy, do they have any types of text-to-speech, or does one have to purchase a particular program that would be analogous to JAWS, something that might cost you $1,000? I know that if one were to buy an iPad tablet, that does have the voice over, so one would not need to spend the extra money to purchase another text-to-speech uh, software program. But if one buys a, a different, some of these other tablets, are there any types of built-in software that will perform text-to-speech? There is TalkBack that runs on the the, uh, the uh, Android operating system. I've only used it... Uh, just playing around and it it does seem to be pretty um it it's still it's not as well developed i think as as the uh, voiceover on the iPads but i but i understand it's it's getting better all the time and it's it, it works with speech as well as refreshable braille too okay great how about you steve have you any experience with some of these other tablet pcs and any software that they may have that would enable one to read and listen to text with a text-to-speech software? Well, yeah, as Keith said, uh, any of the Android devices, uh, you mentioned the Galaxy, will allow you to use TalkBack. Uh, on the Windows side of things, uh, Windows comes and has for many years now, comes with a screen reader called Narrator. And frankly, in previous versions of Windows, it's pretty sorry, but... Um, with the advent of Windows 8, they've made some vast improvements to Narrator. And whereas I still wouldn't necessarily want to do my day-to-day -day computing chores with it, if you're reading books on one of these tablets, um, then uh, it would be more than adequate, I think. Um, also, worth mentioning that there are, are now uh, some free alternatives to JAWS as far as full Windows screen readers, and that's probably a whole other evening's discussion, but uh, I'll mention two very briefly. One of them is called NVDA. It's Non-Visual Desktop Access. You can download it from nvda-project.org, and it's a bunch of guys in Australia that have developed this great um, screen reader, and, and while it's not JAWS, it does many things very well. And secondly, the Windowized screen reader, which used to cost and, and still does if you just buy it uh, about the, almost as much as JAWS. Uh, the manufacturer of Windows CW Micro has entered into an agreement with Microsoft, and if you have a current copy of Office, meaning Office 2010, Office 2013, or Office 365, uh, you can then download a free copy of Windows. And, you know, uh, Office at $150 is a whole lot cheaper than buying uh, a screen reader for 1000 Oh, uh, yes, that is that is great. And I just say, you know, things are really getting better for us. It's really getting better for the consumer. I, I think that window eyes being offered for those who have uh, Microsoft Office is just fantastic. 
Well, gentlemen, I'd like to thank both of you for all of your knowledge and your expertise and your time. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, Steve, uh, how can anybody get in touch with you if you have any questions? Uh, certainly. The best way would be to uh, send email to swbauer, B-A-U-E-R, at brailleinstitute.org. That's swbauer at brailleinstitute.org. Thank you. And uh, if anybody needs somebody to do some voiceover work, Steve Steve certainly has that voice. So <laughs> you might be getting calls for that, Steve. And, Keith, how can people contact you? Uh, my email is Keith Christian, K-E-I-T-H-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, at roadrunner.com. Great. Thank you both very, very much. And I'd also like to thank you, Mr. Dick Burden from Airs LA, for recording this. Uh, this will be up at the Airs LA website later on in the week, and you could find that at www.airsla.org. And it will also be on the CCLVI website as well. So on behalf of everyone here at CCLVI, I want to thank you for attending, and we hope to see you next month when we talk more about low vision. Good night, everybody. <laughs>